Welcome to the round 20 edition of Bombercast for 2022. Uh, I'm the Grizz, your host. If you're here looking for a review of the North Melbourne game, here it is. Uh, North Melbourne are really bad. I don't know if they need priority picks. I sort of like watching them suffer. But yeah, they are really bad. Jake Stringer kicked five. He was fun to watch. Our forward line looked really good, but you know, it was against North. Zach Merritt played really well, although don't ask North fans, I'll tell you he didn't. And Mason Redman hit back in form. Outside of that, not a lot to report. Bit of a bludger of a game if it's possible to lose form in a 48-point win. I reckon we did it. But regardless, I really think that's probably all we need to talk about with that game. And the reason for that is that this week we've got a special guest on our podcast here to chat all things draft. He's one of the preeminent draft experts on Big Footy. He does a lot of work on Rookie Me Central and on Twitter reviewing games. I'm speaking of none other than PM Bangers. PM, thanks for joining us. No worries. Thank you for having me. It's been a tough year for both our clubs. So I think both fan bases have been looking towards a draft for roughly 12 weeks now. So I'm sure you're probably well read on everything that's happening. How are you looking at this sort of draft class as it stands at the moment in terms of how it's shaping up, its depth and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, look, had you asked me before the championships, it would have been a pretty negative answer. But I think like the last probably month or so, we've seen some players that maybe haven't broken out to the point where you're considering first rounders, but like you're looking at them, you're like, they're probably second rounders, but they're good second rounders. So I think that it is deeper than I initially thought at least. And probably I'm expecting that there'll be a few busts um, in the early twenties and stuff like that. But I think that there's so many prospects that are even probably from about 15 onwards that recruiters are really going to have to earn their money with who they're picking. But there's a lot of traits to like about a lot of players well into the forties. Or the dreaded bust word. Well, what, why do you think there stands to be sort of bust at that point in the draft? Do you reckon? Look, it, it's hard to say exactly like why, but it's just a bit of a vibe I get with a lot of the prospects. So as I said, a lot of players with a lot of desirable traits, but a lot more question marks around that range than you typically have. So you know, I think I'm just looking at my list here. So Sam Gilby, for example, is one that I think will probably go between sort of 15 and 30. And he's got a lot of desirable traits. So he's a really good user of the footy, a good mark. He's aggressive with his rebound off halfback. And he's sort of had some good form in the midfield when he's moved into there at times. But on the flip side of that coin, he is inconsistent. He's had a bit of trouble getting on the park this year due to illness. You know, he's a slim frame. There's questions on his contested game and things like that. So sure. You usually don't have that many question marks on a prospect in that range, but yeah. you know the positives there. Sort of, if you looked at the positives alone, you're someone that you could argue is a top 15 prospect. Sure, I guess the the mid-season draft, and you have guys like D'Ambrosio and Cully who might have been in that area as well. Going mid-season, it sort of lessens that pull of the draft, I suppose. But normally drafts, you know, I, I know a couple draft watchers on our board sort of always talk in tiers as opposed to there's you know it's a 10 person draft there's generally a top three or four then the next eight or so and then another 10 after that where do you think the tiers sit and where do you really start really looking for value more than a sure thing in this draft do you reckon yeah, so I recently did my role in mock draft, which I've um, gracefully stolen from EDPS, so it's a team <laughs> off the draft board. So in that post, I sort of listed three tiers of what I expect the talent is. So tier one are sort of the obvious ones, Wardlaw, Ashcroft, and Sheasel. I think like everyone's well across them at this stage. They're players with very little weaknesses to their game that you can see transferring 
not only really well, but almost immediately just with how they play and sure. um, the sort of professionalism they hold themselves in. Then tier two is, you know, you're Elijah Sardis who probably one that, that could push into tier one if he comes back from his injury in good form. Mateus Filipao, who I know absolutely everyone seems to love. <laughs> Jai Clark, Aaron Cadman, Jed Buslinger and Cam McKenzie. So that group are exciting prospects, but they probably have, you know, one or two more question marks than that top, top tier. And then, you know, tier three is filled with players that I think you'd be happy with sort of even after pick 10. So guys like Elijah Hewitt, Matt Jefferson, Oliver Hollands, Isaac Keeler, uh, Mitch Sabowski, just sort of guys that you typically see in the draft rankings between that sort of eight to 20 are all within that tier. Yeah, my be- my boy uh, Braden George in that group as well. I'm I'm a sucker for a, a thick forward that can exp- play through the midfield. But how do you compare sort of the top ten? Let's Essendon fans are thinking more about the pick five to seven, sort of wherever you know GWS Hawthorne and, and probably Port Adelaide at this point and Essendon finish at this point. You know, where does the top ten shape this year? Do you think in comparison to previous years, or you know, even next year? Is this a strong top ten? Is it middle of the road? Like obviously, you know, your twenty eighteen sort of draft is your ten out of ten gold standard. You know, on a on a scale from the worst draft you can think of to twenty eighteen, where does this sit? Yeah, it's a hard one. Uh, the <laughs> the power of hindsight's twenty twenty. <laughs> like for for me at this stage, I think it's probably similar to maybe a twenty nineteen. So. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, like some, some of those top tier players like Raul and Anderson and like Hayden Young, Luke Jackson, obviously, like really, really. Cozzy Pickett. Yeah, yeah Cozzy Pickett. I think Sarong ended up going top 10 as well that year. So some really good players, but then some players that, you know, might not translate or might take a little bit longer. So that's the same year where we had um, McCasey go at pick six. And then, <laughs> um, you know, Lockie Ash probably hasn't come on as much as um, I, as a GWS fan, expected. But, sure. you know, still players that are showing enough that, you know, give you confidence that they will be AFL quality players, but you might not get a superstar at pick four, say. Nice. So you're talking about that top tier of sort of the three and a half, we'll call them Wardlaw, Ashcroft, Sheasel, and then the half being Sartis, depending on how he comes back from injury, which there seems to be a bit bit of that at the top of the draft between Sartis and, and Wardlaw and those sorts of guys. Like what are the ele- what's the elevator pitch for those guys? And do you see any risk of maybe one of them not risk, but do you think there's any chance of them maybe sliding to a five or six to a team like GWS Heston and Hawthorne? Yeah. So Ashcroft number one, like very very professional kid um like we already know he, he's really focusing on his football this year and like taking time away from his general sandringham training to work on some of his deficiencies in his game and he's just such a natural footballer it's really hard to describe just how good he is because i like i still don't have him number one but i think that he like he's the guarantee of this draft class to play you know 200 250 games of good AFL quality football. He may not ever be a Brownlow medalist or anything like that, but he will be a very solid contributor and probably an A grader for a large part of his career, just because he is smart. Um, like his, his vision, especially in the thick of the contest is just elite. Like his ability to pick out handballs and then get involved in the same chain of play multiple times, just with his running off the ball is incredible. Harry Sheasel, he's obviously a known goal kicker, probably started the year a little bit slowly, but has worked into it really well. And Showing that, you know, you don't have to have the athleticism or even the um, flashiness of, say, an Isaac Rankin or a Cozzy Pickett to, to really impact as a forward. You know, he's, he's not very athletic, but he's smarts again and, and his vision and he's just ball use and 
innate ability to find the goals really hold him in good stead. And then uh, I even see him like next level, he, he could play in the back line or in the cool. midfield as well, just given how smart he is and how natural a footballer he is. It, the thing is with Sheasel, a lot of Essendon fans were hoping he would fall to our pick <laughs> when we had a top three pick. Yeah, I, know, um, I don't think that's going to happen yeah, now. Yeah, sorry. sliding out now, watching those games against Vic Metro where maybe this shows when I grew up, but I was watching him thinking, he just looks like Jason Akamanis, like in the way, it, like you said, not overly fast or explosive, but just the balance, his ability to hit targets and his goal kicking was just out of this world. And, you know, there's not many small forwards that pick top 10, but he looks a beauty. Yeah. Oh, and one thing I actually forgot to mention, like his aerial ability for a player his size is really good as well. I've seen him take contested marks on players that are real traditional KPD height. So right, yeah, I, okay. yeah, I, I really, really rate him. Don't think I can really speak about him highly enough. Then your Wardlaw. So he's your, you just your classic sort of inside contested beast. Like anything to do with body contact and contested ball winning, Wardlaw is excelling at. He's actually a really good user of the footy as well. So that's what I value most highly about him is he is an inside player primarily, but he's someone that can use it as well. And on the occasion that he is winning it on the outside, he's not going to waste that kick heading inside 50. So, you know, you think of some of the top inside midfielders currently, a lot of them don't have that reliable foot skill like Wardlaw has. And then his defensive work rate is just next level. Like probably the best I've seen for a kid coming through the under 18s. Like he'll run through teammates to lay a tackle. That's the type of drive that he has in that regard. And then Sardis is... Uh, you, you complimentary outside midfielder to Wardlaw. So when they have played together for the Chargers, they've been a very damaging duo because Sardis, while he times his runs really well and holds his space, he almost doesn't have to just because of how quick he is in his acceleration. Like it takes him sort of two, three steps to really start, start going at top speed. And that's something that's really held him in good stead when he has gone into the inside and acted as a clearance winner is that you know, he, he just gets the ball. He doesn't have to have much speed behind him, but he's definitely getting away from an opponent. And he, he manages to impact the scoreboard. He gets a lot of the ball. So uh, he's going to be someone that has a lot of opportunities at AFL level to sort of be a key player. Yeah. And obviously, you know, all this comes with the big caveat of there's still NAB League finals to play. There's still Waffle and Sandville finals to play. I think there's still one more round of the national champs as well. So, you know, don't come at PM Bangers if this is different in two months' time. Like, this is all as it stands at the moment. But do you, do you think there's any chance one of those four, probably Sartis at the moment, maybe slides to pick five? Or do you think whoever doesn't sort of get taken pick three is going to get gobbled up by GWS? Yeah. So Sardis is is probably the one that will slip out if anyone does. Just because, like, projecting a bit here, I'm assuming that uh, GWS hold a top three pick for after Ashcroft goes to Brisbane. Sure, so, yeah, that's a good point as well. Sardis is is really good, but I'm just looking at sort of other players around the range. Like, Jai Clark is a really sort of traditional GWS pick, like a really solid inside midfielder from a big country-based team that uh, has too. good work, right? Essendon yeah, that's too. true. There's a yeah, midget in, short mid, really fits in. Yeah, midget, midget inside midfielders is right in Dodora's wheelhouse. <laughs> There's a couple of posters on our on our board who are petrified that <laughs> Dodora is going to take him. I yeah. can understand the um fear from an Essendon perspective because of that. But then like also Jed Buslinger and Aaron Cadman being key defender and key forward respectively are both positions of need for us. So we might be comfortable reaching for like either of those two as well. But if it's not one of those three, then I would assume it's Sardis, but yep. I think he's more chance to slip to Essendon than anyone else. Interesting. Right, well, talking more guaranteed picks to go to Essendon, um, there's obviously 
uh, the Davy twins who Essendon fans have been watching through the James Hurd Academy for, I reckon, close to six or seven years at this point. Borderline stalking, maybe, but... <laughs> Allen's obviously come on well during the national champs, had a real good game against WA, been a bit quieter in the other ones. Where do you see Allen Davey sort of as a player? What what type of player do you see him becoming? Is he like his dad or is he like his uncle? There's been that discussion on our board, Trevor. And where do you think a bid might be coming for him at this stage? Well, I can't say I watch too much of the Davies, unfortunately, so I can't... I think at the next level, he's probably more of a high half forward that maybe rotates through the midfield. So maybe a Shea Bolton type of role, which would be like a great result if he can be even half as good as him. But he's a player that doesn't need a lot of the football to hurt opposition. So I really look back to, I think it was round four in the NAB League or round two when Oakley played Calder and Davey probably only had 14 touches and he was surrounded by guys like Wardlaw and Sardis and Drury that were, you know, high 20s with their disposals, maybe even low 30s. And I came away thinking that Davey had the most impact on that game just because he doesn't waste, doesn't waste a kick. Um, he has great vision and he's someone that really backs himself but doesn't overdo it. So one play in particular on the wing, I remember, I think he either got a marker or a free kick and played on, uh, faked the handball and got around a player like took a bounce while in this one-on-one run. And then like he had he had the option to keep going and, and go for goal, but he just opted to center it instead and guarantee the goal for his side. So that play alone really sort of summarizes him as a player for me. Right. Well, that will um, do nothing to placate the natives here on the Essendon <laughs> board and limit expectations. But it's, it's good to hear, you know, we haven't really had a father-son since Job um, came through, I think. Oh, uh, so oh, Joe, Joe, sorry, Joe Danaher, I misspoke. Joe Danaher in 2012, and, and that didn't turn out great. But <laughs> what about his brother, Jaden? So he obviously, a knee Rico uh, after an injury early this year. This is, I think, his second serious knee injury of his junior career. We saw what that does for guys like Kane Baldwin and other really highly rated youngsters. Is, is Jaden, this is going to sound brutal, is Jaden a draftable player this year? Um, do you see a bid coming for him at all? Or do you think he's the sort of guy that might slip through the rookie draft? Look, I I can't say I've watched Jaden, unfortunately. Um, EDPS, someone who I rate very highly, has seen him and, and says that he's probably just as good as Alwyn when he is fit. So Oof. that's high praise in and of itself. But I think most likely he, he gets through both drafts untouched. And then like he did with Tex Wanganine last year, you probably bring him on as a supplementary um, sort of signing train on player. And then, make the call, um, see how he's going with his rehab and things like that from there. Interesting. All right, so we'll, we'll get a bit more Essendon-centric now. I would forgive you if you haven't watched a lot of our games. There are lots of Essendon <laughs> fans that haven't watched a lot of Essendon games this year. We're not very good. But, you know, I've noted sort of before this podcast that we've sort of got – this is my opinion. So if Pam Bangers talks about players you're not interested in, come to me, don't go to him. You know, our needs being sort of a small pressure forward, players who with speed and ball use that can play in different areas and big-bodied midfielders. Do you, uh, do you have sort of recommendations, you know, at pick five or, or pick 23 that might sort of meet those needs? Yeah, so the small forward, like Owen Davies is a pretty good pressure forward, to be honest. So sure. you, you're almost guaranteed one there. If he doesn't get bid on before your pick 23, two guys that are around that range that I think would fit that really well are start off with Jacob Constanti from Gippsland Power. He's one that really impressed me last year as an under 17 in the country versus Metro games. And then probably didn't have the greatest start to the season. He was playing more midfield than forward, but after probably five or six games, it seemed like Gippsland 
ended that midfield experiment and just let him do his work in the forward line. And he's just excelled since. So pressure forward. Um, he's had games where he's had 14 tackles. So like that, wow. that's just a crazy <laughs> number to me. Yeah. And like within that, he doesn't sacrifice scoreboard impact. So one game, I don't have the stats on me, but off the top of my head, I think it was against Murray Bush Rangers that I watched and he kicked four goals while laying sort of 13, 14 tackles, which, you know, if, if you can bring half of that to AFL level each game, then you're going to be such a valuable player. So he's one around that range that would really suit that. And then Charlie Clark from the Sandringham Dragons is another one. So he's a little bit more athletic than um, Constanti and probably has a bit more potential to push into the midfield, but he has that similar endeavor to tackle and, and hunt opponents when they've got the ball and really earn that scoreboard reward from those pressure acts. Flexible plays with speed and ball use. So Sam Gilby, who I mentioned off the top, he's a player that I really rate that I think would fit that pretty well. Oliver Hollands is another one. So you'd probably mm. have to go for him at five or trade up into the mid first round for him. But he's um interesting player, actually, apart from just having the connection to Elijah at Gold Coast. He started the year probably as a top 10 prospect and maybe dropped a little bit for a few people just because he was playing majority of his time as an inside midfielder and contested ball winner for Murray Bush Rangers. But then for country, he was given a bit more freedom on the outside and had some really good games where he got to show off that same class and footballing smarts that pressed everyone as an under 17. So he's someone that could fit that. And then Lachlan Cowan from Tasmania, a general defender is someone else that could do it. I think that he could push up onto a wing at the next level with his two way running and mm. his aggressive ball use. He's, Sort of short kicking isn't as good as a lot of other people's, but like the damage that he can do with his kicks over 45 metres is ridiculous for anyone, really. Yeah. And then big bodied midfielders, so wrap it up. So one at pick five, who I had you taking in my recent Phantom, I think is Cameron McKenzie from the Sandringham Dragons. So mm, um, okay. he's tied to St Kilda through Next Gen Academy rules, but they definitely won't be getting him because I reckon he's a lock <laughs> for the top 10 at this stage. Yeah, he, he's someone that, isn't just a big body, but really uses his size to his advantage. Like he'll knock opposition players away at the hips. Like he'll, he'll throw a bump out when he's going for a contested footy just to make it a little bit easier on himself. He's got really good hands in close. His kicking can be a little bit suspect, but he's mostly reliable. Elijah Hewitt from WA may be someone else within that range. He's probably not as contested as a McKenzie, but someone that would suit the role pretty well. Yeah, it's interesting with McKenzie. He strikes me as the sort of guy that wouldn't have got a lot of midfield minutes if Sartis and Wardlaw were playing. But he seems to, you know, with the extra responsibility with Ashcroft in the middle, gone from sort of strength to strength. And yeah, I, I'm warming to him. I, I'm, I want to talk about a guy you mentioned before that you think everyone seems to want. I'm big on him. It's Matthias. Is it Philippou? Philip uh, Matthias? I'm, I'm I know his dad played AFL, so there's probably yeah. a good area to reference there. I, I, man, I don't even know how to say his first name. It's not even Matthias. <laughs> it's like Matthias. Uh, yeah, okay. We'll, we'll call him Maddie. 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 Yeah, P. Maddie. Um, Maddie makes more sense too. Yeah. Well, where do you see? So there's talk that Adelaide might be really keen on him, which would make sense considering their midfield needs and he's a local guy. And they're you know of the two Adelaide teams, they're probably the ones that have caught the most go home factor historically edps who we both really um respect in the draft space doesn't think he's quite your classic midfielder he's more probably a lead up cole langford if you watch cole langford i don't know pan bangers type forward wing nah, look, can't say i watch much yeah <laughs> um where do you see his range do you think he, he's worth the pick six or do you think he might be more that back end of the top 10 it's hard to say uh i think it will depend almost entirely on 
whether clubs think that he can translate to a full-time midfield role. Sure. Currently, I'm not convinced. So I think he's probably more back end of the top 10 for me. But like, even if he doesn't turn into a midfielder, you're still getting a really effective forward. So someone that regularly finds the scoreboard almost acts as a key forward just because of how good his marking overhead is. Like someone just with genuine X factor. Like he's not overly athletic compared to a lot of general forwards, but he he just manages to outplay opponents almost every time you watch him. And it's just like, sometimes you watch, you'll be like, all right, he's up against someone way more athletic than him. No way that he gets this mark and he will just manage it. So he's, he's just got that sort of ability to impact the contest. So deserving of a top 10 pick for sure. But yeah, I'm not sure if you want to pick, take, you know, someone at pick five, pick six that doesn't have that sort of clear path into the midfield. A real young birthday too, which he's like, he was almost eligible for next year, wasn't he? So it, yeah, I think it, it, um, four days off and he would have been yeah, next year. Yeah. So there's probably so many unknowns with him, to be honest, for next year. I, I'm I'm just a sucker for a big body midfielder. So maybe I'm projecting, um, but <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Uh, we'll, we'll move to sort of the Q and A's now. Um, if you're listening and I don't ask for your question specifically, we got a lot of similar ones through DMs that I've sort of amalgamated if they were close enough to each other. So if you're listening, oh, that was my question. I've probably just amalgamated into someone else's. All right. So the first is what's your, who's your guilty pleasure in this draft? Who's the guy that you love that you don't think is getting the attention from everyone else he deserves? Oh, there's so many of them. One was Bailey Humphrey, but he's going to get a lot of love after his return from injury on the weekend. <laughs> yeah, um, right, yep. Jacob Constanti is the other main one, but again, he's someone that's sort of starting to pop up in more top 20s. So I'll go for someone that's probably been projected as a first rounder all year, but I don't think gets a lot of love or as much as he should. And that's Mitch Sabowski from the Danny Young mm. Stingrays. So he probably gets looked over a bit just because he's not the most athletic. He doesn't have that sort of, pleasing to the eye burst out of the contest but he's a really clean player he just plays his role really well and I don't think there's much fault to him outside of things that are out of control like when you watch his games he rarely plays a bad one he's always putting in 100% and you know never biting off more than he can chew he's always looking to feed out to outside players and really create run from behind for his teammates and get them out into space actually sounds like a guy Essendon could really use (laughs) um uh, you know uh who are the bolters and sliders do you think obviously like i said there's still a fair bit of junior football to play and then there's obviously the draft combined which is really where your bolters and sliders tend to to happen yeah yeah, really start moving when guys have eye popping or you know negatively eye popping (laughs) results if or when kaltumi starts uh raising names people seem to when he's when he when his twitter machine fires up in november all of a sudden (laughs) um yeah, so are there bolters and sliders? Like Ruben Gidby, for example, seems to have gone from top 30 to top 15 calculations. Like, Who, who are the bolters and sliders at the moment? I think the easy answer is um, the sliders are interstate players and the bolters are big players, um, given <laughs> that we've had the two years off from COVID. But a couple of the main sliders, Harry Lemmy coming into the year projected as a top yeah. three pick. And then unfortunately, like, through some things out of his control, he, he hasn't been able to get on the park a lot. And when he has, he just hasn't looked the player that he did last year but you know he, he has sort of slowly started working back into it in the Sandville under 18s and he's starting to look a little bit more dangerous on the lead so we could see him pop back up Tom Scully is one that had a lot of people excited is he dead uh, early like, on did, oh, did he die like oh, like everyone was talking about this guy at the start of the year but I haven't seen him in any of the national champ games 
Well, I'm, I'm starting to worry that SA's coaching staff might have offed him uh, to warrant not selecting him. Um, no, apparently he's been playing school footy, which would be like a reason for his absence from under-18s. But I actually answered the question in my draft thread today. I think that maybe there was a bit of overreaction to Scully based on the player he could be. Sure. And maybe a little bit of excitement on his goal tallies. But I still think there's an AFL prospect there. It's just how certain a club is that they can extract that out of him with the right development and then another slider is Anthony Mankara who I know Essendon fans will probably have asked about later on so I won't touch on that one too much but we can we can get to it now what is the deal with him because like he was sort of rushed into the the AIS squad to play Collingwood at the start of the year played pretty well and Essendon fans would sort of resign themselves to the idea okay well right we're not going to be able to match a bid on him inside the top 40 but what's happened yeah, I know. It's hard to say. Like I was there that faithful day against the AIS Academy at Frankston and <laughs> like, yeah, it's really, he, he played such a good game. And I've always maintained that, you know, a, a player like Mankara, who's not only a forward, but one that doesn't have a great fitness base with him. It's a lot about the flashes he's showing and projecting what he could be from that. And like the flashes he shows are, are just elite, like almost better than anyone else in the draft class. He's a very clean player and as you often get with northern territory prospects like he's got a lot of tricks in his bags that you know a, a lot of players just aren't used to experiencing and don't have answers for and then yeah he, he played that first allies game against south australia and really looked uninterested didn't look like he had any desire to sort of hunt or impact the football i, I don't know i don't know what's going on there I, I still think that he is a good player if you can get everything to click but he sort of strikes me as the type that might be like that's where the trouble is, is is getting everything to click consistently. Just quickly on him to finish the point about Anthony McCarrad, is, is he a top 40 pick at the moment, do you think? Oh, really putting me... It's hard to say. I don't think that he will go top 40 if I had to put money on it, but yep. certainly his talent and what he brings on field when he's switched on warrants it. For yeah. sure. It's an interesting one because, you know, t- f- pick 40 this year when you count for father-sons, free agency compo, potentially even priority picks for North Melbourne if they're successful in getting those. Pick 40 will still be second round. So you might <laughs> have clubs asking the question, do we want to take a guy with that many risks with our second pick in the draft? Which yeah, is, exactly. that, that's, that's a big call. <laughs> but um, that's all right. So just quickly on this one before we do a, a quick, preview of the SNG GWS game blockbuster that everyone's waiting to hear about, of course. We have a list manager at Essendon called Josh Marnie, who twice at Melbourne in 2015 and 2019 traded a future, you know, leveraged their position early in the draft to trade a future pick into the top 10 again. Um, yeah. Is this the year to do that for future picks? Is this a year where you can justify it? What's next year's crop looking like? It, it seems like every year everyone's looking to the next year's <laughs> crop, but like, is this a year where you could justifiably do it or is next year looking so good that you wouldn't dare? Oh, look, um, the grass is always greener, as they say, um, and this is no different. I think yeah. it's really hard to say definitively. I think, like, if Essendon are backing themselves to be a finals team next year, then there's no reason not to. But, like, looking at some of the players that are around the top 10 for next year, obviously all based on projection, there might be another Lemmy from this group that suddenly slides out of... Um, consideration but like it is arguably the most x-factor field top 10 i've ever seen just looking at it like the the amount of talent in that squad i'm sort of like 
Nick Watson, who obviously everyone already knows about, Harley Reid, similarly a, a really good player. Zane Dersma as well, probably in the most well-known ones. But then you've got guys like Ashton Moore from um, Glenelg, who, yeah, a very exciting natural talent in the forward line. Archer Reid, who's the brother of Essendon, Zach, uh, is very promising key forward for next is he, year. He, is he eight foot tall and a beanpole as well? He... What do I have him as? 201 centimetres and 85 kilos. So Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So like his brother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A bit like that. But um, like he's looking really exciting up forward. Nate Caddy, who's the nephew of Josh, uh, is another tall forward that's looking exciting. And then even like you have some backline talents in there that look like they might be early selections. Like Nathan Filicides from the Oakley Chargers is someone who... I really highly rate with his run and drive out of defense. Archie Roberts from the Sandringham Dragons, who unfortunately injured himself earlier this year, but he's shown a lot to be like excited about, obviously. And then as we always have happen, we'll have players that pop up like in the early rounds of next year's NAB League and Sandful and Waffle that'll excite people as well. So if you think you're not making finals, I wouldn't even consider trading that first rounder. But if you're backing yourself to make a surge up the ladder, then yeah, I, I don't see any reason not to. All right. Well, well, that's a perennial question with Essen, isn't it? Will they ever do something? But um, I suppose apparently Essendon and GWS play this week. I was shocked to know that they're both still playing. But yeah, I've, I've switched off completely. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm perennially shocked that we're still playing football games down at Essendon. But I suppose a really quick preview. Both teams not had the years they would prefer. Essendon had the year... Oh, and both teams probably had the year they needed to have for different reasons. Um, yeah, I think that's a fair statement. Essendon needed a reality check to know last year wasn't the norm and GWS are probably due for the reset that's going to happen at the end of this off-season. Where, where do you see this game going? I still think when you look at GWS's midfield, we, we don't have the ability at the Bombers to bat anywhere near as deep as you guys do with with Parrish and Caldwell and possibly Par- um, Shield and Caldwell and possibly Parrish out. But you know, where do you see this game going on the weekend? Well, you know, 14 first 16th, it's a bit of a blockbuster. So <laughs> I'm expecting a big crowd out at Western Sydney. It's hard to say. Like, I think with your recent form, like you, you go in deserving favourites, but uh, given that you are Essendon, that probably means we're more chance to win than if you weren't favourites. Yep, that's probably um, correct. Yep. Yeah, I think like it'll, it'll probably be a battle in the midfield because I think that both teams probably have below standard um, back lines and decent forward lines. So if... You know, whichever midfield managers get the ball forward more often, I think is is going to end up winning the game for them. If I had to give a tip, I still think you guys would probably win by about three goals, though. Yeah. So uh, my worry is that um, we lost some the clearance uh, against North Melbourne on Monday, forty-two to twenty-two, um, and we lost centre clearances like twenty to eight. So if we give Kelly Whitfield Cornelio that sort of service out of the midfield, I don't think it's going to be anywhere as close as anyone thinks. So we're going to have to shore up that part of our ground. But this was sort of the year where I think both teams will start to experiment. I think we'll start seeing players like Hobbs and Perkins run through the midfield a bit more. And DWS, I'm sure, will be throwing the magnets around with an interim coach and guys wanting to prove for whoever comes in, Clarkson or otherwise, um, what they've got. Um, we've got a few minutes left. I wanted to keep a few minutes just so you can plug whatever you're doing. I know you've obviously got your draft thread on Bigfooty, uh, sort of one of the more commonly commented on threads there. And guys, really, guys and girls really love what you do there. Oh yeah, just uh, just just continue feeding my ego, everyone. Um, I love answering questions. I I love that you know I've got the biggest draft thread on Bigfooty. It, it really helps me <laughs> sleep at night, to be honest. Um, like yeah, if you want 
maybe not more regular updates, but I will generally do sort of halftime and full-time reports of games I'm watching on my Twitter, which is Declan Reeve. So have a look at that. And then, yeah, just keep up to date with Rookie Me Central. A lot of exciting stuff happening naturally as we get closer and closer to the draft. And hopefully we'll be able to get some podcasts out there to start really focusing on some of those, you know, prospects that, that are looking likely. And then hopefully a bit more work on players that maybe aren't top end prospects, but are our chances later in the draft as well, which is what I'm going to be focusing on in the uh, latter half of the year. Yeah, and of course the um the uh, draft bible that you guys come up with at Rookie Me Centre every oh. year much much uh, there's there's required reading. Then there's if you're going to pay any attention at all to the draft when that comes out, you need to read it. Um, yeah, it's like Christmas. Um, yeah. <laughs> except the build up is so much worse. Uh, <laughs> I can't describe how how stressful it can be, and I'm not even a major part in it. So it, please, it, please do like, give that a read. It's like Christmas if you're the elves. Um, like, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, and obviously our own EPS and, and, Pi for, and Pi for Life, it's not our own, but he's on big footy as well. They all contribute to that. Oh, and but, um, Modern Artillery as well is is another one that's part yeah. of the Rookie Man Central crew. He's a very good draft watcher as well. I recommend everyone look at his views and, and read up on him because he's someone that I think genuinely is probably the best uh, talent identifier on big footy. Well, that's pretty high praise. So I suppose I'll wrap us up. PM, uh, thanks for jumping on. We greatly appreciate your time and, and the effort you've come in prepared with to answer the Essen fans' questions. Oh, thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, as I said off the top, really feeds my ego and, and that's why I do this. Well, that, well, that's what we're here for, mate. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of the Bombercast for Round 20. Make sure you like, subscribe and tell your friends about us. Um, we'll be back next week with the review of the blockbuster up at Spotless between Essen and GWS. Um, thanks for listening and have a good time, everyone. Oh, 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 oh,